best practices aren't necessarily the finish line, but they're more the starting line. And the delta of impact that you will have in your career, I think that's everything else that you can find and do and discover after you've ticked off those best practices. So that would be my advice. Jobs in ad tech. If you're looking for a new role in the industry, there's only one place to go. Free job listing for all recruiters and talent acquisition managers until September. Go to jobsinadtech.com today. Jobs in ad tech. And welcome to the shiny new object podcast. My name is Tom Ollerton. I'm the founder of Automated Creative. We are a creative effectiveness ad tech platform. And I'm also the host of this podcast, which I'm very excited about. And every week we get to interview one of our industry's leaders about their vision for the future of the industry. And this week is no different. I'm on a call with Zach Doty, who is Director Online Marketing at AT&T. So Zach, for anyone who doesn't know who you are and what you do, could you give the listeners a bit of background? Yeah. Hey, Tom. And thanks. Thanks for having me on today. Excited to be here. So my name is Zach, and I'm a director of online marketing at AT AT&T. And there are a number of hats that I'm wearing and putting on these days. But I think the most important hat that I'm wearing in terms of what I do at AT AT&T Business is starting up the SEO program or search engine optimization. And we can think of that as the world's largest focus group, excuse me, that is Google, um, and making sure that of the billions of queries each day that happen, uh, that we're front and center uh, increasingly uh, where and when we want to be. And I've had a a background of uh, 10 years of digital marketing and SEO, and primarily on the agency side, um, starting with a a then startup, uh, now a mid-sized agency, and then moving on to iProspect and uh, having a lot of fun along the way and working with, uh, very fortunate to work with some big brands. And that's a little bit about me. I think you're possibly one of the first guests we've had with a strong SEO background. I'm sure that's not entirely true, but what not very well represented on this podcast, I'm ashamed to say. So I'm looking forward to what you can share today. So you've been a decent length career at this point, as you said before the show. So I'm curious to know, what advice would you give to smart, driven students who are looking to follow in your footsteps? That's a great question, Tom. So I think if I were to walk into a classroom today and and be asked that question, uh, my answer to a student or any students would be to be a maker and be a creator. And there's some very specific intention behind that. SEO is a a relatively young field, I think, in comparison to some of the other disciplines within marketing and advertising out there. But at the same time, it's, it's reached this inflection point where it's becoming more mature. And if you look out on LinkedIn, I think there are probably millions of people that say they do SEO. That being said, I think the number of people that actually do SEO is quite a bit smaller. (laughs) And if you keep unpacking those nesting dolls, if you will, the people that do it well, maybe in the thousands, and people that you would actually want on your team uh, to partner with you, uh, for myself, that's probably uh, a couple of dozen people. And so when I say be a maker, um, I think one, that allows you to actually do SEO. So specifically, go out and create a site, go out and create a blog. There is so much 
practical learning and more importantly, wisdom uh, that you can gain from going out and uh, creating something yourself. And also too, I think being a maker and a creator exposes you early on to the limitations of best practices. And best practices are what they are. They exist for great reasons. But I think what a lot of folks will find, especially in SEO, is that best practices aren't necessarily the finish line, but they're more the starting line. And the delta of impact that you will have in your career, I think that's everything else that you can find and do and discover uh, after you've ticked off those best practices. So that would be my advice. I absolutely love that. Best practices are the starting line, not the finish line. I'm totally stealing that. So, <laughs> so keen to know, moving on from students, so just general marketing tips. I, I, I think we've had an, ever had an SEO tip on this show. So is your top marketing tip an SEO one or is it something else? Well, I think my... My top marketing tip would be general, but I think I think you get the uh, uh, the privilege here to determine if we if we can sneak in an SEO tip as well. Uh, yeah, go on. Let's do both. I'm intrigued. Awesome. <laughs> Sounds good. So I think in terms of a top marketing tip, my top marketing tip would be to embrace the dog fooding approach. And let me <laughs> let me quickly unpack what I mean by the dog fooding approach. Uh, put another way eating your own cooking. Um, I find it perhaps intriguing or at least surprising the number of marketers, and I have been guilty of this uh, myself as well in the past, um, of not using the experience um, or not engaging in the experience that prospective customers are engaging in. Um, And so if you apply that to a digital marketing background, get out on your own site, use it on a mobile device. Uh, you might find out that your your lead form um, or perhaps your checkout when you ask for a phone number doesn't actually flash up the dial pad, which is uh, <laughs> funny enough to talk about best practices earlier, uh, potentially a best practice to ease user experience. And so I think... Um, you know, that dog fooding, eating your own cooking, management by walking around, there are a few different names for it. But I think that is a highly effective thing. And if you put another perspective on it, Tom, um, it forces you to adopt the perspective of the customer, at least in part, um, when you're a busy marketer. And then two, I think it gets you into this interesting feedback loop of doing something that isn't necessarily scalable but directing that to something that can scale. So if you think about that earlier example, um, say that you found mistakes in your uh, form experience or your checkout experience um, as a digital marketer on your site, that time wasn't necessarily a scalable activity, but now you have something that could potentially be uh, global in scale or very impactful for your site. So I think think in terms of... um, I think in terms of marketing tips, that's probably got to be up there for the top. That's a good one. And the sneaky, quick SEO one? (laughs) So I think for the SEO tip, I think it is to be the most useful resource 
um, that you possibly can be. Um, I feel like, Tom, we could probably have a whole episode <laughs> about SEO, unpacking uh, what it is, why it's important, the nuances, the technical uh, aspects of it. But I think if you were to take the balance of material and learnings and subjects within SEO, most frequently what you will find is that in order for you to appear well in the search engines, or we might call that ranking highly. So when you type something into Google, um, being one of the first results, in order to do that, you have to be the most useful resource. Do you help uh, users accomplish their task? Do you offer a short time to value? I think when you look at creating content, when you look at creating an experience, uh, more often than not, that is about as broad of a tip that can get you the most bang for your buck. Brilliant. Writing that down. Fantastic. And always with this podcast, obviously it's about marketing. I instantly think of my own business and how the, the way it operates. And and that's the, that will also be used in meetings coming up in the near future. So thank you, Zach. This episode of the Shiny New Object Podcast is brought to you in partnership with Manfest. Whether it's live in London or streamed online to the global marketing community, you can always expect a distinctive and daring blend of fast-paced content, startup innovation pitches, and unconventional entertainment from Madfest events. You'll find me causing trouble on stage, recording live versions of this podcast, and sharing a beer with the nicest most influential people in marketing. Check it out at www.madfestlondon.com. So we're moving on now to your shiny new object, which is pie-shaped talent or pie-shaped people. What do you mean by that? Yes. Yeah. Great question, Tom. So first, when I say pie-shaped talent... <laughs> I don't mean I don't mean the Thanksgiving staple over here in the U.S. I, I don't mean the food. <laughs> I mean the mathematical uh, the mathematical symbol um, and a bit more visually. And and to unpack the concept of pie shaped talent, I think it needs a point of triangulation or a bookend. And specifically, when you think about talent development um, and people development. Uh, I think outside of marketing as well, T-shaped talent is probably one of the oldest, if not widely recognized concepts out there. And it is, it is this strategist's opinion that T-shaped talent is one of the worst lies out there, uh, especially in marketing, but, but potentially out there in business as well. And what I mean by that is that uh, greatness never travels alone. Um, and you can't afford to excel only in one area. And there's an illustration uh, by a gentleman named Ian Lurie. He's a, a former agency owner in the Pacific Northwest here in the US. And he had a title of a presentation that was a little bit more designed for uh, corporately at agencies. It's, it's a very vivid title. One Trick Ponies Get Shot. And uh, you know, I, I don't know that we would necessarily uh, tout that title around everywhere. Again, it's a very uh, a very jolting example. But if you think about corporately how you fit into an organization, uh, at, at least from my perspective, we're continually being asked to do more, 
with less, um, especially in this era of seeing monetary policy tightening, uh, cost of borrowing was previously cheap, and now there's a lot greater value, I think, on efficiency. Now, thinking at a personal level, let's uh, let's start with maybe a narrow example and, and expand from there. When you when you ask Tom about shiny new objects, uh, honestly, there are a lot of shiny objects over here, so it was hard to pick one. But you know, if we think about generative AI, something that has garnered a ton of news attention lately um, and a ton of trade attention lately for good reason. Let's think about that. Let's say that you open Midjourney, Midjourney being uh, a generative AI tool for images. How do you go about that? You have to have two areas of competency in order to make a great image. And specifically, using this Midjourney example, you have to have an exceptional creative mind to prompt the AI, to prompt Midjourney. Um, and you have to be able to give it a well-described problem. Uh, or put another way, we could say a problem well-stated is a problem half-solved. And so you have to have knowledge of artistic styles, uh, potentially of exposures from photography. But at the same time, you have to have this technical knowledge of how do you manipulate the parameters uh, to be effective and to get the output you want. Now, let's exit the tactical view there for a second and think more about a person in their journey. Um, you can't you can't advance your career very far riding on one horse. If we if we use that that example, um, put another way, to get to the insights, you have to go through the data. But to get the action, you have to tell a compelling story. And so, the T-shaped talent model, Tom, um, would tell you focus in on one area and be an expert in that. I think that sets up a lot of definitely junior practitioners and budding strategists, but potentially uh, mid and senior level uh, managers and leaders as well for failure. Um, if you think about somebody that's more in their mid-career going beyond, you know, you have to access the data, be technical, be savvy, but also be um, an expert in storytelling with your audience to see an initiative uh, through end-to-end -to, -end to success. Um, if you think about it at a higher level, um, you have to have domain knowledge in the area that you're a strategist and practitioner and leader in. But at the same time, and, and potentially speaking for myself here, as a developing leader, you also have to have increasing expertise, say, in financial planning and analysis or product marketing. And so I think through that lens, pie-shaped talent uh, leads you to be a stronger strategist, a stronger leader, um, and just an overall uh, stronger performer and contributor to your organization. And so for the people in listening to this podcast and they want to develop into pie-shaped people, what would be your advice for that? I would say seek out discomfort. And it's easy for me to <laughs> sit in this position and say it, but I think if you find areas where you are uncomfortable. There's a saying that the obstacle is the path. And if I think back to a juncture earlier in my career, early in my career, 
I had a, a phenomenal uh, manager, leader, mentor at that time. And one of his recommendations to me was to take a copywriting course. <laughs> and I was only a few years out of college at this point and uh, full of pride, I think, and energy. And internally, uh, my ego got bruised a little bit by that. You know, what do you mean I need to take a copywriting course? I write just fine. But in hindsight, that was one of the best things that uh, that could have happened to me. I needed to learn to communicate more effectively, more succinctly, uh, not only facing to customers, but also uh, internally uh, with leaders and stakeholders as well. So finding those areas that are uncomfortable, that maybe hurt a little bit when you press on it, um, you know, whether or not you actively know that it's an area that you need to develop, I would say that's a place to start. It's interesting I'm reading the book at the minute that says the strong emotions you have, like the one you mentioned there when you had that suggestion to do the course, is that those emotions shouldn't be there for you to distract yourself. But actually, that's an indication that it is the right thing to do. The scary thing, the unnerving thing, the anxiety-inducing thing, is that's that's an emotion that's actually telling you something that's saying that there could be value here. I don't mean that like, every every negative emotion means that, but it's certainly in that instance, like the fact that you responded to that in such a strong way is an indication to go, maybe there's something here. Maybe I should push myself. And it's such a lovely story uh, to hear that you've You've done that. So hiring for pie-shaped people, how would you spot them? Well, I think it first requires you to have an inclination, if not the development of being a pie-shaped person yourself. But I think also, Tom, uh, I think it requires you as a hiring manager, or, or if not the hiring manager, participant in the hiring process, ask application questions. Um, what I find very frequently in SEO is, and going back to that earlier thread, that there are a ton of people out there that say they know SEO. It's kind of like that Matrix moment, right? Where Keanu Reeves says, <laughs> I know Kung Fu. And then uh, we, we find out in the next scene, you know, whether he really does or not. And you have to be very deliberate and intentional to really put people through their paces. And Yes, in a sense, it is absolutely for you and your team to find the best person possible uh, to add new capabilities or strengthen existing ones. But also, too, it's an opportunity to see what development opportunities uh, are there for that person or a building experience or a learning experience for them. And so a lot of SEO interviews uh, might ask you about what are important ranking factors or how would you optimize this web page? Um, and they're good questions. They're they're around for a reason, right? But I tend to think of those more as price of admission or table stakes. And instead, what I might ask somebody is, tell me about the most impactful or most meaningful keyword ranking win that you've achieved in your career and what all did you do to get there? And so in doing so, Tom, you can force them or you can try to force them <laughs> to unpack those different legs of their stool, if you will. And so when you think about the impactful nature or the best win, uh, first, it means that they have to demonstrate success. Second, 
it tests those presentation skills. Um, how, how succinctly, how coherently can they present that idea to you? But further, when you present these uh, application questions as open-ended, it also forces them to share their thought process, share their strategy, share the tactics. And in that way, you can expose as much ground as possible um, and do both your team uh, and, and the interviewer uh, as much of a service as possible. I feel like we could talk for a lot longer, but we are at the end of the podcast and I apologize. So if someone would like to carry on discussing these topics with you, where's a good place to reach out and what makes the kind of outreach message that gets you to respond to them? Well, I think there are probably two ways, uh, maybe three, <laughs> that uh, uh, that would be great for outreach. Um, I'm fairly active on LinkedIn and uh, linkedin.com slash n slash ZL Doty, or you can just search for my name and hopefully I'll pop up. Um, also have a website as well, zldoty.com and uh, fairly active on Twitter as well. So those are those are the ways to uh, get a hold of me. And um, I think in terms of a message that receives response, um, have a conversation, um, ask for perspective, always, always happy to lend those things. And um, I haven't done a ton of speaking lately, but one thing that I'd gleaned some years ago from doing some speaking engagements is that um, you offer uh, the opportunity to reach out. Very few people do capitalize on it. So uh, for any of y'all out there that would love to learn more about SEO, please, please do reach out. Love to chat. Fantastic. Zach, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me, Tom. Hi, Just before you go, I'd really appreciate it if you could take the time to write a review of the Shiny New Object Podcast on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, whatever it's called these days, or whichever podcast provider you use. We're an indie podcast, so it would go a long way for us if you could just share the word and give us a bit of a support on those channels. That would just be fantastic. If you haven't got time, that's also cool. And yeah, if you could tell your colleagues about the podcast and also, if possible, don't forget to subscribe. And I'd love to hear your feedback uh, if you'd like to speak on the podcast or be a guest or you think I'm asking the wrong questions, anything. I'd be super interested to hear what you think. So please email me at tom at automatedcreative.net. That's T-O-M at, uh, I'm not going to bother spelling it. Anyway, you'll work it out. Thanks so much.